You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Well, welcome everyone to the penultimate episode of the Essentials Podcast. I'm David, and it's good to be back with Nate and Alan to have a conversation today about leadership in the church. Before we get to that, we wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for how well you have engaged in these conversations with us. When we launched this podcast several months ago, we really didn't know what kind of response we'd have. But we've been grateful for each listener and each conversation that we've had with you all. And we really continue to be excited about what God is doing here in Eastern PA and beyond. I'm uh, this is Nate. I'm really excited about these kinds of conversations. My dream for our district is that we would be a community of people that know how to have conversations about things that are really challenging that even perhaps we would tend to back off from, but that we find that they're very meaningful, very productive. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the, uh, the interaction. Yeah. I'm thankful for that too. As I just think about conversations just keep popping up about not how can my church grow or whatever, but how can we make disciples? And they're just popping up that they weren't popping up before. Um, being initiated by pastors, uh, and I'm really encouraged by that. It's cool. Yeah, in my experience, that has been there's uh, an openness to that kind of conversation, yeah. and that's really an important part of that. Well, as we look ahead to uh, this episode, a quick review of where we've been. In our first three episodes, we laid out a framework uh, around the question of uh, what is essential in church ministry. And so we looked at uh, what do we mean by an essential uh, essential end, essential means. Uh, and we looked at and discussed how our view uh, that the essential end of church ministry is wholehearted transformation that comes from response to the gospel. And so we talked about that over those first couple episodes. Uh, and then in episodes four and five, the last two, we began to talk about the essential means. We moved from the end to the means. And so which which we laid out is uh, it's a gospel saturated community that is filled with people that are gospel fluent, particularly in trial. That are boldly taking faith filled risks on mission with Jesus and has leadership that embraces the challenges of change. And so today we want to pick up the conversation on that third and final point of a gospel saturated community that has leadership that embraces the challenges of change. So as we start down this path today, you know, there's been so much written about and said about leadership, uh, so many books written, even as related to church leadership. Yet here we are bringing up the subject uh, of leadership that embraces change. And so, you know, and bring this up again, what are the things that we still have to learn or why are we adding this caveat of uh, leadership that embraces the challenges of change? Well, we're certainly not bringing it because we feel like we're experts on leadership, mm. but <laughs> <No>. simply <laughs> that, um, and we don't have the final answer on what's lacking in leadership, but there are things, at least from our life and our own experience in leadership, that we always need to be reminded of. For example, that leadership is not primarily about a methodology or a technique or, you know, certain cool tools that we used or or borrowed programming. At its essence, the the kind of leadership that 
that is required to face the monumental challenges before the church is a leadership principally that is grounded in the gospel in a way that as leaders, we can stay lovingly connected to the people that we're leading while leading them through something that might require a sense of loss for them or pushback from them or that will lead them into a change that is needed. That's that's a unique kind of leadership. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Nate, because I think what happens is a lot of leaders, pastors, tend to choose one or the other, staying lovingly connected to their people or just going through the change without considering the loss that their people are going through. Um, and then if they're just if they choose to value staying lovingly connected, they may never actually see change or, or give up pursuing it. Or if they just say change without staying lovingly connected, they may actually blow up their congregation. Such a tension uh, between Yeah, it is a tension to hold it us takes together. That, that groundedness in the gospel to stay in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, we, we the phrase you said earlier that it's not about methodology, right? Not that there's not a place for structure mm-hmm. and for those things as mm-hmm. we'll get to eventually. But really, and one of the reasons we're adding this caveat of leadership that embraces change is that some of this is from the leader. Is there a willingness to be developed and changed personally uh, and f- and for them to grow, right? We talk about being developed uh, a lot here in Eastern PA. Is there a willingness on that leader's part to embrace change in their own life, right? That we're all on this path uh, towards whole heart transformation that Jesus is working through us because of the gospel. I think another thing is that so much is happening that is changing around us. Or, you know, we're, we're faced by cultural challenges, just mm-hmm. so much happening. Mm-hmm. Our context is, is continually changing. So it seems like the skill that we need to have as leaders is the capacity to rethink. I picked up that phrase from a, uh, or that word from a podcast I was listening to uh, that they were interviewing this man named Adam Grant. And I wrote down what he said. He, uh, he said, refusing to rethink causes a lot of misery. Hmm. He said, I've watched companies go out of business because they couldn't rethink. And we all know the short list. Blockbuster, <laughs> Borders, Blackberry, Kodak, Sears, Toys R Us. And then Grant said, there aren't any bad thinkers running those companies, but there are some pretty poor rethinkers. So there's something there about the capacity to look at our situation from a new perspective, actually change our mind Mm. and think differently about what we're doing. That's a leadership skill that we need to learn. And I think that's, you know, why Max Dupree wrote that book, Leadership is an Art. Because it's not yeah. it's not it's not so linear right. where we can just do all the right techniques right. and follow the certain order yeah. and then it's all going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it is an art. And sometimes you need a fresh perspective on it. Look at it from different angle, maybe in an art way, kind of cast it in a new light. Mm-hmm. All those things. Uh, and then and then it's the ongoing change of the artist. If leadership is an art, the leader is an artist. And so then that person needs to be changed in the process of changing. Right. And key to all that is the whole idea of, of recognizing what's essential. Like, yeah, yeah, what are yeah, we yeah. doing here is Keep, such yeah. an important leadership challenge. Absolutely. Well, that's because, you know, we're that. talking about rethinking as a, as a Christian, you know, what we're rethinking through 
is not brand new ideas. It's around the gospel. Like we're rethinking how does the gospel shape this aspect of our church, of our lives. So it's rethinking, but it's not for the sake of newness. It's for the sake of, are we really living out that which Jesus has gifted to us, has bestowed upon us, you know, all of the pieces that come with knowing and walking with Jesus. Yeah, I think I'm really humbled when I think about how I really, early in my ministry, you know, I really had that more ticket to heaven approach to the gospel, you know, that it was about getting forgiven and thinking about having to die. And now I realize that every time I really think holistically about churches making change and making disciples, I realize I have to keep coming back to the gospel. It's the only way to keep my eye on the change we're aiming for, the essential end, and it's the only way for me to be changed to be the kind of leader that can lead people to that. This comes back to the gospel over and over and over again. Yeah. So we're talking about leadership that embraces change. And so we want to get into kind of what's the current reality around leadership, uh, at least from our perspective, again, not that we're the experts on this, but there's certainly some challenges that we see from from our viewpoint uh, that we'd like to bring up around this area of leadership in the church. So what are you guys seeing? I think if we could start just with defining what is pastoral leadership, like, you know, we, we, we love the word shepherd, we love the word pastor, but yeah. what what are we talking about? And one that we have landed on, a definition of that holds those things in tension that, that you were talking about, Alan, before, and we say that, that loving shepherds lead. And, and so we, we kind of need hmm. to rethink that a bit because I don't know if everybody would be in agreement that the the pastoral act is to lead lovingly um, our people to a place that they currently they, they haven't gone there. They, they haven't they haven't experienced that, but it's our job to lead them lovingly to that place. Mm. So unpack that a little bit for us. I mean, you know, we talk about shepherd. The word that's often associated with that is is care or, you know, almost like a management or, or watching over. But what you're talking about sounds much more than that. So what do you mean by shepherds leading? So a, a shepherd has a vision of of something that's optimal, something that is better than what we're currently living. So in this podcast, we're, we're describing that as what is essential. And so it is the role or the task of a shepherd to lovingly engage their people in a way that takes them from where they are to where they need to be in the same way that a, a shepherd would take his flock from where they are to where they need to be so that they would flourish. That's the principal mm. role of a pastor. And then even in the context of a gospel-saturated community, there's a uniqueness to that of it takes a particular kind of leader to lead people towards a, a pasture, in, in a sense, which maybe they haven't seen before or known before. Or as we've described it, that the essential means is that we're a gospel-saturated community where we're speaking about the gospel, particularly in the pain points of our life in trial. It's going to take a leader to lead people to have conversation about pain points in their life and to, to find out where the gospel applies to their life there. And the second is that we've said that that it's, it's by taking risks on mission in community where out of the gospel we're willing to engage in something risky or challenging on mission. 
it's going to take mm. a certain kind of leader to lead their people to those two uncomfortable places, trial and mission, because people will always opt out of those. It's yeah. too hard. It's not comfortable. So it's a certain kind of gospel saturated leader who can lead the people into those places where they will flourish, but right away, they're not going to, they maybe won't even like it. Yeah, and I even thinking back to you know when I went to school for ministry, you know there wasn't a lot of emphasis on leading in that way. You know, a lot of it was how to study the Bible, which of course is immensely important. Wouldn't change that for the world, but there's or wouldn't miss that for the world. But there's certainly an aspect where leadership in that way wasn't taught as mm-hmm. a part of you know, Bible college, seminary. Well, I mean, and especially if you're older like me, I mean, you go back and people will say <laughs> they never had one training on leadership. I mean, everything, again, don't get me wrong. We are fully into exegesis. Yeah, yeah, We're absolutely. fully into the word of God and the that an essential tool for uh, gospel communities is the word of God effectively proclaimed. So without diminishing that in any sense, I think many of us would say that principally what we were taught to do is to exegete God's word as if simply by like exegeting the word, preaching yeah. the word, yeah. that, that our job is done without really personally leading people into points of pain in their life and mission in their life that could really revolutionize the way they view the gospel yeah. and hear the word of God preached if we will lead them there. Long time ago, I heard someone give a definition of leadership that it stuck with me, that a, a leader takes people to where currently they do not want to go so that they become what they always dreamed they could be. And I think that that's what the gospel does. The gospel gives us this vision of what <laughs> mm-hmm. life could look like, but the path there maybe isn't going to be the path that I yeah. would readily choose because even Jesus said, well, that's going to take a cross. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to yeah. take up your cross. People typically don't want to take up an instrument of death. So they'll be lost there. And it's a certain kind of leader that is able to lead their people towards those places of perceived loss so that they can become something that God's called them to be. Yeah. I mean, we think about it that way, you know, Jesus said, you know, unless a, a, a kernel of wheat exactly. falls in the ground right. and dies, it, it means a single seed. But if it dies, it becomes um, many seeds <laughs> and it bears much life. I, in a sense, as a, a leader of God's people, we are constantly leading them towards uh, a death that leads to new life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really hard to embrace. We're constantly asking people to give up what they currently have so they can have what God is leading them to be, which is better than they can imagine, but you have to go through this kind of valley of death to get there at times. Yeah. And that's it doesn't very sound difficult. like a really effective marketing campaign <laughs> no, to say, come and die. Right, right, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's where, I, you know, here, we gotta just acknowledge the, the difficulty of leadership, especially in these days of, of all days, right? That yeah. we're in a culture that shifts quickly, that, is divided, uh, that's probably the nice way to to say that, um, that has a quick fix mentality or Mm -hmm. seeks to shift blame from one group to another. And yet here we are asking people to stand up and lead people where maybe they do not want to go, which as you said, sounds like an invitation to take a few arrows uh, along the way. So I think part of this is just acknowledging, you know what, this is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And there's some some really easy options like can I just keep my head down and do the things that people want me to do, like try to preach good sermons and try to visit some people that are hurting and keep the committees of my church going? Second, and none, it's not that any of those things are bad things, but are they the essential thing? Is it the essential end or the essential means that we do those things? And if not, do we opt for them simply because they're a little bit easier to occupy our time with than yeah. actually lovingly leading our people? Yeah, and I, it's interesting. You know, when I, over the years, one of the things that I've heard as people give their reason for leaving a church is, I'm just not getting fed. Right. But hardly anybody has said, you know, I really even asked the question, is my church really helping me become a true disciple of Jesus? Uh, and then they don't realize that that is something that is not just because the pastor preaches good sermons, but it's how they interact with Jesus as their savior. And that's not even in like in their vision, not even their peripheral vision at sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, you, we've, we've talked a little bit of this already about, you know, it, the leader has to be grounded in their, have their identity grounded in who Jesus is and what he's done because to navigate the difficulties of leadership, the, the challenge is, 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 are we grounded in Christ? When we go to, to, to lead mm-hmm. people in change in meaningful ways towards the end, you know, recognizing that we're probably going to take some hits along the way to do it. Do we have the resiliency within the gospel to be able to navigate it? And that's that's really part of that challenge. Yeah, yeah we can never. And I've, I've been in my role for about three years now. Uh, my life has been transformed over these three years. If the essential end is whole heart transformation, it is impossible to lead a community, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, or for me in leading this district, it is impossible to lead people to that essential end without being touched by it ourselves. Like we lead out of a place of really we're on we're on mission we're we're stretched a bit and in that process the gospel is going deeper we're being transformed people and out of that fruitful spot in our own heart we're leading people into the same thing so we become henry nowen called it wounded healers like w- mm. we become people who are familiar with the path because we're walking it ourselves yeah i think if we think we can lead people to change without being changed ourselves we are sadly mistaken right. you know i hear you reference you know galatians 4:19 free you know, my dear children, uh, for whom I am in the ch- pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You know, every mother that gives birth to a child, that mother is changed. <laughs> they will testify to that. My wife will testify to that. You know, when we give birth to something, we are changed, you know, and so there, it's impossible. Yes, in a lot of ways, you know, and you can't. It's lead change be without untouched. being changed, yeah, right? You can't, you can't be, be untouched by that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not sterile. It's no. not technique. No. It's not book learned. It's it's much deeper than that. Yeah, and that's. I think it's good for us here to to then now go and ask the question: Is what's led us uh, to the current state? You know, because there is a a strain of thought that would say, yeah, if we just get the right methodology, if we just get the right tools if we just find a way to get the right people it'll all be okay but what's really led us to you know even have that within our our viewpoint within the church context well we're going to talk about this in a few future podcasts but culture shapes everything and there is a leadership culture that i think all of us have been part of and it has 
a lot of characteristics that bring a bit of confusion about really what does leadership mean. So, you know, like the 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 solo pastor model of leadership, sometimes I call it, you're the pastor doer, not the pastor equipper, yeah. where you just, well, you know, everything that's got to be done, the, the pastor has to do it. Mm-hmm. So there's some mindsets like that, that we're going to have to, like, we're going to swim uh, upstream against those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing in there, I think of, you know, some of the churches I've been in, and there's been such gifted leaders in the church, but because of a pastor centric leadership model, those leaders are always enabled to use their gifting within the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's some space there where God has equipped people with a variety of gifts and abilities where if being a leader that can embrace uh, the challenges of change, uh, and they're using that within their, their workplace, those are the kind of people that we want to make sure are equipped and ready to help to lead the church in that way as well. And there seems to be this strange disconnect where, oh, well, if I didn't receive my Bible degree here, then therefore I can't be that kind of leader in the church. And I, I've seen that happen with boards and other things like that along the way. There's, there's some confusion there about church leadership and leadership as a gifting and pieces there. Yeah, I think it's safe to say we haven't really fully embraced the priesthood of all believers, you know, it's like, we just don't really believe that, you know, we hold some things that only the pastor can do. And a lot of times you, you reference gifted leaders in the church. So churches may identify some of the best leaders they have in the church. And what do they do? Put them on a committee to make decisions rather than actually being among the flock, leading the actual change. Yeah. And that does take a leader to do that. And you don't have to be... You need a, a spirit-empowered leader who is committed to the ultimate end of being wholeheartedly transformed into Jesus, uh, the image of Jesus. And when those kind of people are leading with that ultimate end in mind, they will lead, help you lead change. But if you're just going to put them in a room and say, hey, we got to make these decisions, you're really not tapping into the leadership gift God has given them. Don't don't you guys remember uh, remember that guy that used to work with us, Dwayne Stein? Yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. I think I remember him saying something about uh, we view pastoral leadership really as we're ministry managers, not really as like shepherds that lead. So there's something about um, our cultural mindset of really what church leadership looks like. Is there's all of these programs that have to be managed. We need a volunteer base. We've got to have the funding for it. We've got to get people you know in the pew. And and so we kind of manage these things, but we we rarely step back and say, are we doing the things that are really most important? That takes a kind of leadership. And the truth is, most of us have never been developed in that. We're not really developing people in that, but the truth is even districts, um, you know, denominations haven't said, you know, really it's important for us to develop people in their leadership. That's why we think these conversations are really, really important to ask, what does it look like for us to be the kinds of leaders that will embrace the, the challenge of change that's needed, you know, with our churches facing this monumental challenge, like we we have to be able to lead them. Yeah, yeah I think it's, you know, I, it, it doesn't take long at all for a group of people to have a significant experience and then they want to preserve that experience. And it becomes the ministry manager's job right. to preserve the experience of what has been but a pastoral leader, a loving shepherd that leads, is not trying to preserve a past experience, but point to a 
preferred future of everybody yeah. working together to become like Jesus together on mm-hmm. mission. Well, I think how much of that goes back to how we learned church. Right. Like yeah. I remember when I stepped into my first ministry role as a youth pastor, like what I thought I was supposed to do versus what, uh, ended up God saying, this is what I want you to do. We're very different things. Mm. And I remember the tension of like, this is how I was told to do it versus this is what I feel like God's leading me to do and how we, we wrestle with that because so much of how we approach ministry is how we've learned it. Uh, and, and so there's a challenge there because then we're, we're going against the, you know, almost like how we've been taught. So there's a sense there of, we have to navigate, uh, how we've learned where we're going so that it's that again it comes back to that change in us Mm -hmm. piece there along the way yeah so let's talk about you know in the context of gospel saturated community that's you know this is one of the three pieces of that so if we had a gospel saturated community with leadership that embraced the challenge of change what would look different in our church uh and then in that as we paint a picture of what looks different, what are some of the losses or or things that we would have to uh, give up to be able to pursue that that difference? I don't want to be oversimplistic, but I think the kind of leadership that we're talking about really comes down to two skills and, and being really good at these two skills. Uh, one is to stay separate from our people, or sometimes people use the word differentiated, but at the same time, stay present with our people, mm. holding those two things in yeah. tension. So what that would look like is to, um, if there is a kind of a herd, H-E-R-D, like a herd mindset where everybody in the congregation says, well, this is what our church does, the leader literally has to separate from that, has to be able to disagree with that, differentiate from that, but at the same time, stay present with those people. Um, and I think that those two tensions are really, really difficult. The first, some like the, the challenge of the first to be separate from people brings us to a place of, of what some call a failure of nerve. It just takes a lot of courage to pull out of the herd. Mm. But um, the second, um, Todd Bolsinger calls a failure of heart where we lose our heart for our people. We lose love for our people. So there's something about I'm here, I'm with you, I'm one of you, I'm among you, I'm incarnate with you. And at the same time, I am separate from you. I'm calling us to something else. Tell you one quick story. I, I heard um, of a pastor who, this isn't from our district, but he uh, he engaged in his church. He was lovingly present, but he quickly found out that in the church there was what sometimes we call the church boss. There was someone who um, every decision, you know, everybody on the board would look to this individual, like what are we supposed to do? And he was kind of the power person in the church, and and everybody pretty much had to do what he did, and they herded around him. Well, this pastor who was now lovingly present with that church realized what was going on. And um, so the story he told was he uh, was at a gathering on a Sunday afternoon and uh, he he asked the church boss, um, he said, can we take a walk? And they took a big walk around a big barn 
And um, on the other side of the barn, he didn't confront him. He didn't punch him. He didn't yell say, at this, him. Is this, is this in Jersey? Because I feel like this, this is something else that's going to happen here. This is, not, this is not mafia at all. He simply had a conversation with him. That's why I, I so believe in challenging conversations. And on the other side of the barn, he looked at him and he said, you know what? I recognize your position of authority in this church and, and, and you really are the person in power. But you and I have to make a decision. Are you going to lead this church or am I going to lead this church into what God has? And you know mm. what the guy said? He said, you need to lead. Wow. And that conversation actually changed the course of the future of that church because he held those two skills. He wow. was separate but present. And I think that is so hard to do. Yeah. It's just so challenging yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch of those kind of spectrums of things that we have to hold in tension if we're going to lead well. Grace and truth. Right. You know, those right. those kinds of things. That you hit it, it's spot on there. Yeah, I think another thing that would be that would be different uh, is that we would be more, uh, or I guess, willing to uh, have a more a greater willingness to fail. Mm. Um, I I think when I prepared to plant a church in Danville, one of the things that I did as a part of that process because I was like, oh, I've never planted a church before. What do you do? Uh, I met with a lot of church planning friends and acquaintances that I knew and just and just talked with them about and I'll never forget sitting across from one of my church planning friends in Delaware and he said uh, if you're going to plant a church not only do you have to be willing to let Jesus change you completely he said you have to be willing to fail and to know that who you are isn't wrapped up in failure or success yeah, 100% because if it, if you do it will, you will lose yourself in this process. Well, and we get so paralyzed because the first like hint of failure, we say we must be doing the wrong thing. Actually, we might be doing the, the right, right thing. thing. So for example, like when people start walking away, we, you know, the first like little bit of like people saying, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable here anymore. We, we start to measure our effectiveness by people's response to us. And we say, I must not be a good shepherd because they're not following me. Mm. And, and so we say, oh, I'm going to fail. And then we pull back into what's comfortable. We we pull back into the herd. Yeah. And it's a, you. I, I totally agree. You have to be willing to embrace the possibility of failure. You know, as a district, we have talked a lot about this. Like, are there things that are so important that we are going to be all in to what God's called us to be as a district, even if it doesn't turn out well? Like, yeah. Are we going to say, I'll only do it if I'm guaranteed success? I don't think we would ever do anything if we only do what we know will certainly turn out to be successful. Yeah. And yet in the midst of all that, you know, we have to be very aware that while we're thinking of change, our people are thinking of what they're losing. Exactly. And we have to be able to help them acknowledge what they're losing and we need to value what they're losing and help them see that the change we're leading to is actually a greater value than what they're losing. And we maybe never ever participated with them 
in that particular value. So, yes. so think of a pastor yes. who comes Good in point. and they yeah. lead their church to do something with their building. Yeah. But it's the people that are in that church that their child was baptized there, or yeah. they came to faith at that altar, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not using that altar anymore. They're experiencing profound loss. So sometimes we can't even identify with that, but we have to learn to be present with them in that so that they don't view us as the enemy taking away the thing that's precious with them, but that we maybe even can grieve with them or we can give them a perspective of something that's even higher than the thing that they feel like they're losing. Yes. Yep, and, and providing the space to grieve those things. Yeah. Because I, you know, I think you're right, especially in our culture where, you know, a pastor might come into a new situation. They have no personal heart connection to those things. Right. Yet to lead them towards change does mean acknowledging the loss that's taking place there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine churches that have always done VBS every year and the way that they Again, we're not down on VBS, and VBS is a wonderful thing at times. Um, but if if the leadership of that church is simply calendar-based, and we do what we did last year, and the leader now uh, says, you know, can we be more effective in, in what's essential for us related to the gospel, and they start to challenge VBS for their church, there will be people that say, but you don't understand. My child came to faith in Christ through VBS. If you're taking that away, you're taking away children coming to faith in Christ. Mm. It, it takes some deep conversations about, mm-hmm. wait, is, yeah, I understand that, but is that really happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, One another difference I think that would come out if we had leadership that embraced the challenge of change is that there would, there would be a sense of hope restored within the church. Yeah. That there would be a sense of, you know, as we're navigating some of the difficulties of change uh, and you could s- glimpse kind of where where it's going or where it, what it could be like after the change, there'd be a sense of, of hope there, right? That, that out of the loss, something new uh, and grand would come as we walk with Jesus in that. So I don't know if I can explain this, but part of the loss and, and that hope can be, in a sense, our load could be lighter. If we're carrying things that we're unwilling to give up, and especially if we're calendar-based and program-based and we're just, we've gotta do more, we've gotta do more, it can burn us out where we feel like we don't have the volunteer base to do all the things that we used to do. It might be really liberating to say, we don't have to do all those things anymore. We can do what's essential and do it well. It could actually lead to a lighter load. Yeah. And perhaps more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be so neat to see because once you taste that too, there's a sense of like, we, we want more of that. We, we don't want to miss out on what God is doing through us uh, as we're walking this path. Because even though it might be hard, even though we might be navigating the loss, there would graciously be a sense of the presence of God in that process where we're actually saying, I want more of that. Yeah. And so there would be this begin begin to be this sense within the church of, you know what, we don't want to settle for ministry or a service or like small group or whatever it is without sensing or, or seeing or acknowledging the presence of God in that. And even that right there, it just increases a sense of hope of God, you're at work mm-hmm. among us. Mm-hmm. And there's a... a on a human side, there's a sense of momentum there that that is exciting for people mm-hmm. to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So as we look to kind of the path forward, we say, okay, where do we, how do we get from where we are 
Uh, or maybe there's a, a leader or worker listening to this and they say, you know, uh, I really would like to grow in my leadership to embrace change differently than I do now. What are some of the questions we have to wrestle with? Like, what are some of the things that we're going to have to work through to be able to grow as leaders in that way? Well, I, I think that uh, for leaders to step forward into that tension of um, being present and separate at the same time, we will have to look internally to see really what gospel we're living by. If it's a small G gospel where what is good news to us is uh, people like us, people mm-hmm. are responding well to us, circumstances are turning out according to our agendas. If that's what gives us our greatest sense of value and and uh, identity, like we are identified as being successful in that way, if, if we're driven by a small g gospel, that's going to have to go. And yeah. we're going to have to say, what does the gospel say about my security, my value, who I am, who I am serving, who identifies me, what gospel grounding do I need to be able to embrace the the call to lead this congregation forward? That's going to be some serious questions, and we might even need to ask ourselves, where can I where can I like grow in that, like, yeah. w- like sh- should I get involved in the personal track or like, mm-hmm. uh, should I, you know, make sure that I'm at district conference and listen to Jeff Val- Vanderstel talk <laughs> about these things, but like, what must I do to get better grounded in the gospel so that I can lead in a, in a sense that's well-grounded and resilient when I face challenges? Yeah. And one of those is even, you know, as we walk in the gospel of Jesus is the, an acknowledgement that the, what he's doing now is transforming us, that that end isn't for the church as a concept, but that he's doing it in us. That groundedness is, is actually in the reality that Jesus is changing us. So do we trust him in the process that he's working out in our lives? That's part of that day-to-day experience with it as we navigate the trials of church ministry and call people towards mission in that. And we get changed. Are we we grounded in those truths enough to continually to lean into the goodness of God Mm -hmm. in that transformation Mm -hmm. process? Yeah, in the midst of all that, you know, I think a pastor has to ask, what kind of leader do you want to be? Do you want to lead decision makers who sit in a room and make decisions? Or do you want to lead leaders? you know, who are going to actually engage in leading the church with you. Um, you know, then I think you have to work through some of the things like Lencioni has all that great stuff on the five dysfunctions of a team and and really getting buy-in, um, helping people weigh in so they'll buy in and then they'll they'll take the risk with you. Yeah. Is that what, that's what I want. You know yeah. what I mean? I want to feel like they're in the game with me because that's the only way we're really going to see the change that God wants to lead us yeah. to. So specifically, like, who am I leading on mission? Right, because this is all about it's a leadership that 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 leads towards a, a gospel saturated com- uh, community in mission and trial. So, 
as a leader, who am I leading on mission? And how am I interacting with those people on mission to talk about the implications of the gospel and what we're doing? Or who am I in community with that we're having authentic conversations on a regular basis about the way that the gospel is penetrating our lives, where, where we have an open dialogue about gospel change in our life. So as a leader, this is not just conceptual about leading, it's about who am I personally engaged with in, in that kind of community? Because we have to lead from a place of, of, of actually doing it with some people, whether it's our elders or some key leaders or somebody that wants to grow in their discipleship. Who are the people that I'm actually engaging in this way? I'm, I'm really encouraged that some of our churches are, are taking steps to make a regular part of their leadership meetings the leaders, the pastor and the other leaders reporting to each other about how they're engaged in ministering to their neighbors, their co-workers, and, and praying for them and seeking to share the gospel with them. And if something happens, those people do start to engage in mission, and then it changes how they lead, you know, because they start thinking of their church differently instead of thinking about how can we have what's good in here. Now they start thinking about how can we equip people to be out there. Yeah, another question to wrestle with is, you know, sometimes when we, a lot of what we've talked about is looking within, uh, but thinking outside of our church context, what, what, what's the support, what's the training, what's the development that, that we need to be able to grow as that kind of leader? So some of that's going to be, do we know ourselves well? Do we know ourselves in the gospel well? Uh, do, are we connecting with like-minded people that are seeking to grow in that kind of leadership? Um, are we utilizing the resources that are available, whether that's through the district or other opportunities to be developed as that kind of leader? So it, there, there, there's other spaces out there for us to grow, not just within, but also to use some other things that are there as and well. And that sense of support is going to be so essential, particularly when um, our our church community embraces the challenge of change and people feel loss and what naturally happens there is sabotage. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. it's not that they're mean-spirited. <laughs> no. Our people, it's not like they would ever want to sabotage, but when you feel like you're losing something, you grip more tightly to it. And so if the leader is leading us to a place that we feel some perceived loss, we just naturally push back. So when that pushback happens, um, we will often cave as leaders unless we have some sense of supportive community around us that's saying, okay, you're not crazy. You know, this is risky. It will be good. What is Jesus doing in your life? How are you able to hold on? Yeah, I agree. We we need some sense of supportive community. And if that support's not coming from within the church that, I mean, that's where we talk about, at least here in Eastern PA, we talk about being a development network, right? Right. That it's not just a group of individual churches kind of under one umbrella that we're actually wanting to grow into a development network where we're helping each other, Mm -hmm. sharpening one another, equipping one another to be these kinds of leaders. This, another question I think we'd have to ask ourselves, and this may be too much for our purposes right now, but at least I'd plant the seed, is that we'll have to identify uh, our context. Um, So what is the prevalent culture of our church right now? 
what's the prevalent culture of our community right now? Like we, we're not going to lead well if we don't know the context within, within which we're leading. So that may include some discernment about even what are the prevailing sins of our congregation? Mm-hmm. Like what are we really coming up against here? Or what, what are the, 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 uh, like the authoritative things that cannot be touched. Sometimes we call them the sacred cows in a church. Like you can't touch that. What are those things? What is the grip that that, that has over our congregation? You know, earlier I told the story about the, like the church power people. Like who really is in leadership here? And if as a pastor I'm attempting to step really into a, a position of adaptive leadership, what am I going to have to like deal with there? All of those are assessment questions that we're going to have to find a means of assessing our current reality and the, the prevalent culture of our church and community. Yeah, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that people are going to always feel more secure in the known than than willing to be entered the scariness of the unknown. You know, the people of Israel are a great example, right? They would rather go back to the security of being slaves in Egypt, the known, because they knew that than to go in the scary wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much more that right. we could say about yeah. leadership. Right. Sure I, I'm going to have to wrap up our conversation here, but I hope that if you're listening, that you hear that uh, not only is this something we care about, but that this is a conversation worth having. Uh, that sure is. that it doesn't just end with the content that we laid out, laid out here. Uh, and so one of the ways that you can engage with our podcast and be a part of this conversation Uh, is by using some of the discussion questions that we've created for you. You can find those by going to our website, epdalliance.org slash essentials. Uh, And so we would invite you to ask those questions uh, or use this podcast in coordination with your leadership team or with your elders, uh, how you would see fit in your church context. But to, you know, say, hey, listen to this podcast and we're going to talk about these questions because leadership that embraces the challenge of change is a worthy conversation to have. So as we wrap up today, uh, I do want to say thank you for listening. Uh, In our next and final episode, we're going to be wrapping up uh, this series of the podcast by looking at the role that culture, metrics, and structures play uh, in the essentials. And then we'll also be sharing some of our final thoughts uh, as we bring uh, this series of the podcast to an end. So again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org slash essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.